Good morning. I'm Peter Lewis, and you're listening to RTHK Radio 3's personal finance programme, Money Talk Extra. As always, if you have any money matters that you'd like our financial experts to help with, then please get in touch via email, moneytalk at rthk.hk. We're also on Facebook, Money Talk Extra, on RTHK Radio 3. One of you did just that and raised a question about how to find a financial advisor that works in your best interests. We'll try to answer that query today. Ahead of the budget to be delivered by Hong Kong's financial secretary on Wednesday, another of our listeners shares his wish list with Jimmy Lam. Finally, we'll continue our investment product teaching and take a look at rights issues. One of our listeners, Doug Miller, recently emailed us to say, Dear Money Talk Extra, I suggest in one of your Saturday morning shows you cover the topic of where the man in the street can get investment advice that focuses on his or her best interests and not that of the investment advisor. Many of us invest through mutual funds and do so via our banks, but I've learned through bitter experience that their investment advisors are principally motivated by earning commissions. I've had the experience over the years of being put into dog funds, which plunge in value within a short time of purchase and grossly underperform the market. On one occasion, I was persuaded to switch funds, but only two weeks later, in another branch of the same bank and with a different investment advisor, it was recommended that I switch back into my original funds. Obviously, I now take any investment advice from my bank with a large pinch of salt. However, to avoid others having the same bitter experience as mine and my friends, as I suspect my experience is not untypical, is there anywhere that the man in the street who wants to invest his hard-earned cash can conveniently get best investment advice? Or is it buyer beware, particularly when it comes to the banks? Thank you very much, Doug, for your email and your suggestion for the programme. To discuss your experiences and get an answer to your questions, I went to see Chris Tay, Vice Chairman for Finance and Administration at the Institute of Financial Planners of Hong Kong. Is the experience that our listener Doug describes a common one? I would not say this kind of situation is not uncommon. Uh, you know, um, for example, you know, uh, sometimes we have still, you know, um, heard a similar uh, in the case that's happened in different uh, financial channels. You know, uh, but for um, you know, with banks uh, as a distributor, you know, for mutual funds, I think, uh, well, uh, in the past, you know, still I would say some types of financial institution may be tempted, I would say, to encourage the client, I would say, to change the asset mix or to change uh, or to consider the new investment. Because uh, normally for each uh, new um, you know, uh, investment, normally the, the intermediaries would have the new commissions. So that's why you know, um, uh, that would be very common for people to argue that the kind of so-called the financial institution have been encouraged you know, to people to have a more actively, I would say, positioning and also trading or changing, changing position for their portfolio. So, I mean, in this particular case, um, he's found that two different investment advisors working for the same bank have given him totally opposite investment advice. So is it reasonable to expect that a financial firm has some consistency across its branches and, and different advisors when it comes to offering investment advice? Well, just based on this um, you know, particular case, I would say, the, to be honest, uh, the experience is really bad. Yeah, because actually, um, you know, for each financial institution, normally they would create a client profiling for each client. That means, you know, your client profile is reflecting your personal information or uh, I would say most of the information are the factual information. Mm-hmm. And then together with uh, the other so-called the, the findings, you know, based on the so-called the suitability analysis and also the kind of client's profiling uh, procedures. So that's why, you know, the, I would say each client's 
should have one client profile. So that's why, um, you know, for any uh, uh, middlemen or intermediaries, you know, uh, uh, before they are making a call to the clients, they are looking at the same client profile. So at the end, you know, being a kind of so-called well-trained, you know, intermediaries, everyone should make the, the same decision. Everyone should advise the client to make a similar so-called the uh, decision, and um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll expect to have a similar outcome. But for these cases, it seems that you know that these two individual advisors, you know, totally offering uh, different advices based on the same client profiling. So I would say they would be a bit, um, you know, um, unprofessional. And in Hong Kong, it's against the regulations, isn't it, to offer product-based advice. What an advisor should be doing, first of all, is assessing what is the risk profile and the investment um, targets and horizons of the investor to make sure that you are giving the right advice. So there, there is a sort of suspicion sometimes that people are trying to churn portfolios to maximise commissions. That shouldn't go on in Hong Kong. Well, uh to be very honest, uh, through, uh, through radically, I would say the, um, the kind of so-called product-based selling should not be allowed, you know, in Hong Kong. Yeah, because normally I would say, um, based on the so-called the, um, the regulated sales procedures, you know, uh, they should conduct a, a kind of so-called client profiling, you know, a risk, risk tolerance or risk uh, profiling uh, questionnaire uh, before advising a kind of so-called invest- investment solution to to the clients. And um, I would say, um, at the end, you know, you you should not, I'll say, you should not have the so-called the preset, you know, product, you know, intended to offer to all clients because the different clients may have different profiles, you know, may be categorized into risk, uh, into risk, uh, into risk bucket. So that's why, you know, they would be recommended for different portfolios. So that's why, you know, but, um, but uh, if uh, but still you know uh, nowadays, but it's still not uncommon you know for for some of the retail investors to uh, to be offer the same products you know uh, I would say that means you know um, I would say all every investors would would be recommended for the same products. So still you know we have found some product selling practices in the financial institution and and also different channels. You know they may be tempted by maybe so called the um, uh, uh, bonus commission and or so called the seasonal sales or quarterly sales or even but they may claim that they would be uh, driven by the house call and um, uh, this kind these kind of practices would be regarded as malpractice. So how do we make sure that the person who is offering us advice is acting in our best interests and not motivated by earning commissions and the highest possible fee? Um, um, sometimes I would say the, the clients should have some compromise with the um, the um, advisors. For example, you know uh, whether the advisors would uh, really um, so-called uh, uh, to create the kind of so-called the more specific investment policy statement for. The clients, for example, oh, I would say, oh, hi, Chris. Uh, Chris, uh, your goal is to uh, is to have the uh, annual income of like, um, for example, uh, one hundred thousand uh, for the coming twenty years as a retirement uh, uh, income. That would be my so-called investment policy statement. And then they would conduct a risk, um, you know, profile risk profile for me. And then I say, hi, Chris. Chris is, is a kind of so-called the medium to low uh, to low risk uh, tolerant profile. And then, uh, well, those kind of information are factual and also reflecting my uh, my goal. And then at the end, all kinds of investment advisors would be based on this kind of so-called the very basic requirement, you know, uh, you know, for, for Chris. And then at the end, the, um, the, the so-called the professional advisors would uh, look into my uh, personal constraints. For example, you know, whether I would have a, I would be subject to certain time horizon, I would be subject to certain liquidity constraints. 
whether I need to, uh, you know, I'll say um, um, uh, to keep certain, um, you know, wealth for my next generations. This this so-called information should be um, uh, recorded and also collected by the advisors. I would say if any advisors would not, you know, I would say um, um, following this kind of practices would, would be considered non-professional. So do I have the right to ask my advisor how they are paid and whether the funds they're recommending to me, they are being paid to recommend? Okay, good questions. Very good, um, very timely, um, you know, uh, question. Um, since um, uh, November last year, the SFC has already issued a new, uh, has already issued a consultations. Uh, I'll say the conclusions on the consultation for the um, asset management reviews that require the um, financial intermediaries, you know, I'll say to disclose you know, I'll say uh, their so-called the uh, compensation package, whether they got some kickback or trailer fees from the portal providers, whether they would be encouraged by the so-called the portal providers, I would say, to offer, you know, certain products. They would need, they need to make a certain disclosure to the, um, uh, to the investors. So, uh, so at the end, each investor would be judging whether your uh, intermediaries would have a unreasonable or reasonable compensation based on the trade or based on the advice given to you. So what sort of questions should I ask my potential advisor to assess whether they're suitable, whether they're qualified, whether they're the right one for me? Well, um, um, uh, to be honest, I think uh, because your return and risk uh, objectives has been set, you know, has been recorded, right? So uh, at the end, you know, um, well, you may come up with a certain, um, you know, so-called argument of whether it's a solution, whether uh, is it reasonable, I would say, um, uh, uh, judgment, you know, based on the recommendation. For example, if your return objectives, if your annual return objective would be only, for example, 4%, you know, with someone offering you a single country equity fund, would be, you know, uh, be a reasonable advice, you know, for you. And uh, of course, you need to, well, that would be very obvious, I would say, to make some judgment. So I would say, um, uh, anyway, I would say on a, doing the so-called uh, regular review, um, for example, even for the review process, I think the investor should have some compromise with the advisors, whether, you know, how frequent the review should be, you know, uh, should be on your portfolio. For example, if you agree that, oh, please uh, don't, don't have too frequent review because I'm long-term investors, right? Don't call me just within, after two months, say, oh, please take profit or, take, or, 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 or whatever, whatever take loss for my portfolio because I'm long-term investors, right? So that's why, you know, um, uh, doing the regular reviews, please try to see whether, you know, they have uh, taken care about your investment objective. For example, because you, you mentioned that your objective is only 4%. But whether the advisor is, is it based on the 4% target or based on another target or even based on the market-driven atmosphere? You heard there from Chris Tay of the Institute of Financial Planners of Hong Kong.